0: The Ready, Set, Grow podcast is sponsored by AgExpert, software designed for Canadian agriculture. Visit them today at agexpert.ca. Hi, uh, everyone. It's uh, Joe Dales. I'm one of the, uh, the founders of RH Accelerator, and welcome to today's Ready, Set, Grow podcast, sponsored by AgExpert, where we visit with innovators in the agriculture and food industry. Today, we have a terrific special guest, Diana Latournis from Regina. Hi, Di. Hi. <laughs> and we're really excited today about our, uh, our guest. Uh, Joelle Faulkner is the CEO of Area One Farms. Hi, Joelle, how are you doing?
1: Hello, great. Thanks
0: for having me. We're really, uh, really excited to, uh, to meet you and learn a little bit about uh, what you're doing. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and, uh, and share a bit of the journey becoming the CEO of Area One
1: Farms. Uh, sure. So I'm from London, Ontario, from a farm on the edge of the city called London Dairy. Uh, my parents and my brother run that. And I was not particularly great at milking and really good at school. So I did a lot of school, uh, business engineering and law school and work in finance. And uh, nearly 10 years ago now, my brother was interested in buying land um, in areas that were a bit less expensive than where we were, and still highly productive as cropland. And so we looked at Canada uh, and kind of farmland in Canada and farmers across Canada, and I got really interested in how people invest in farmland because it seemed like most of the investors were buying land and renting it out. And they didn't know exactly what they were buying and they didn't know exactly how to make it better. And the rents they charged were generally pretty high and getting higher all the time. Um, and I always thought that there would be a good opportunity to work with farmers who actually knew what they wanted to buy and how they wanted to farm it and how they wanted to clean it up uh, to, to do well together. So uh, I started looking at that opportunity. We ended up making five partnerships in the first two years. Um, and then kind of testing those and seeing how that worked and then grew. And so now we're at 20 partners across Canada.
2: Wow, that's amazing. And so what types of things do you do there um, in terms of the investing? Can you explain a little bit about that?
1: Sure. So the approach of most investors is they're looking for land that they can buy and rent out for a high return. Our approach is a bit different. We look for partners. So I'm looking for farmers who want to expand, who have some capital for expansion, but not as much as they need to expand. And while debt will bring them part of the way, it usually won't bring them all the way. So a typical scenario would be a farmer where there's three kids who eventually want to come back and so you need to quadruple the size of the farm. And that'll get you some of the way there, but it won't get you all the way there. And usually we get called when a neighbor is ready to sell and comes to that farmer and says, I'm ready to sell. I can sell to you. I'm reasonable in terms of what I'm asking, but I kind of need you to figure out if you can do it in the next 12 months. And we partner with the buying farmer. So as opposed to working with the seller, we partner with the buying farmer. Uh, We grow, We put in money for the purchase, we put in money for operating, so we own the farm together. And in addition to the part that the farmer owns, so they get 100% of what they own, in addition to that, they earn both income and appreciation on the stuff we own. So it's a way of always, the tricky part about uh, farming and particularly renting land is that it's really hard to make enough money to make up for what it seems to appreciate every year of going out. So this way you can always, you're earning into that appreciation so you can always afford to buy me out of at least part of the land over time. And we take away the risk that's usually associated with crop production which is just such high year-to-year weather risk because you still get some of that but you also get some of the appreciation. So that's what we do. As a result of that being our approach, I actually spend more time with farmers looking at their plan of how they want to grow, uh, how they are doing now, what they think the best option is, then I do it looking at land. Because the partners that we end up partnering with, they figure out what land is the right land for them um, and how to, how to go about buying it and how to go about cleaning it up. There's about half of our business that is focused on land improvement. So we also have, and over time have built in-house expertise, on cleaning up land so both turning overgrown pasture or old timbered land in back into farm production so land that was farmed historically and uh land that isn't irrigated into irrigation which is which is actually just much simpler than the other one
0: wow very uh, innovative business model uh, there's not too many people you know really doing this in canada that i've come across across and, and it sounds like you're getting scale and uh, you know, I'm intrigued about, uh, you know, your processes and stuff like that. Um, how's farmland done as an investment category? Uh, you know, you and then kind of what do you see going forward?
1: So we think you're right. I don't think there's any other equity investors across Canada and we actually haven't found any in other parts of the world either in the same way. You see it a little bit more in permanent crop, so orchard, establishment, etc. but you don't see it nearly as much, or we haven't seen it all in row crop. Um, the farmland as an investment class is interesting. So if you think about it from a farmer's standpoint, the value to land is two parts. One is they understand it. Like, it's a it's a thing that they really understand, they have control over it to some extent of how it's treated and managed. And so unlike stocks or bonds or other things, it's very tangible and very good for that management and probably needed for the business. Like it always seems like in farming you're just you're just making enough money to cover your land costs so that you can keep buying more land. Or at least that is kind of how I grew up with asset
0: rich, cash poor, right? Yeah. hmm
1: To other investors, other investors actually have the opposite. They don't understand it as an asset class, but it is what's called non-correlated, which means it doesn't move in the same direction at the same time for the same reasons as other assets. Other assets that they might have are probably stocks and bonds, so things that are publicly traded, really easy to buy, really easy to sell, but if stocks are up, doesn't mean anything for farmland and if stocks are down, it doesn't mean anything for farmland. So the value to farmland to an investor is that it gives them a place to invest that probably if there's some big shock to the market, won't also have a shock at the same time. Mm -hmm. That has meant it hasn't necessarily done better than stocks over let's say the last 10 years, but it's done it differently and in particular it probably felt like a really comfortable thing to own um, this spring so with Mm COVID-19 the rest of the world saw a shock to other assets that they were used to 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 investments that they had made but also to commercial real estate and while there might not be huge changes at the moment like the stock market rebounded that idea that it could just drop really quickly and rise really quickly and you had no control over it and you didn't know necessarily why it was happening and you don't necessarily know the future is a very different driver. The reason I like farmland is I think global food demand is probably going up because we have more people and they're getting a little better every year. And most people think that that will mean commodity prices will also go up because you'll see this big demand. I actually don't necessarily think commodity prices will see a big increase, but I do think we need to be able to grow more food. And Canada is exceptionally well placed to grow more food. Innovation keeps getting developed that makes our yields higher every year. So long term, we think farmland's good because it's stable and probably going up in value. Yeah.
2: That's awesome. Um... It's it's a unique niche kind of investment opportunity I see here. Um, what are some of your challenges that you face? Like you know, because you have to kind of um, you know vet the different producers that you partner with. And so, can you tell us a little bit about that process and how that works? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so
1: you're exactly right. We have to vet the producers. We have to vet the plan, and we have to vet to some extent the asset, so the land itself. So we have to make sure that we're not buying the land for too much compared to the area. We don't wanna be the reason prices go up. That we have partners that have a really good plan and are gonna be able to do the work. The process to check that is looking at history. So in our view, history is the best predictor of future success. So what have your crop yields looked like in the last 10 years? What has your profitability looked like in the last 10 years? If there were management problems, what were they? And have you figured out how to fix them? Um, because everybody, the farming's a tricky business and everybody is allowed their share of mistakes. i certainly made mine. Um, but have you learned from them and have you figured out where you want to go? And then the most important to us is where do you want to go? And do we really fit into that? Is, are, is there a place where we can be helpful? And is it something that we think we'll see long-term value. And it's part of why we focus so much on land conversion work is it's actually a really hard thing to finance because it doesn't cash flow. The land doesn't cash flow when you buy it. Banks won't give you money for it as a result, won't give you money to clean it up. A lot of projects get lost in the middle so they actually aren't valuable projects. And so there it makes total sense why we'd be a needed partner to do that work. So it's really easy to see that part and you still have all the questions about the partner and the land.
0: A productive farmland, you get the run up on the valuation.
1: Yeah. Well, and if you can farm it profitably, mm-hmm. um, and which means a lot of management—not just on not the crop, but also machinery, etc.—then that's valuable. We don't always buy into machinery because some farmers we work out crop share agreements or custom or things like that. Like a lot of the time we do
0: buy into machinery, so all the aspects of how you're managing your farm matter. Uh-huh. That's terrific. Um, you know, congrats on your success, and especially in such an innovative business model. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, uh, farmers, entrepreneurs, founders, uh, innovative people watching these podcasts. What What advice would you share with them kind of generically on you know, being a founder, being an innovator, being an entrepreneur? Uh, that's
1: a good question. In, I would say that the we were able to, I was able to build what we have partially because it is very different than what exists. Um, and that has big positives and big negatives. But there are tons of things that we have to manage that, that a place that buys land and rents it out does not have to manage. Um, But we figured out how to do that, which has let us work, but I I do think the differentiation is really helpful. Um, Probably the biggest, and I've gotten better at it more recently than even at the beginning, is I look for advice everywhere I can all the time. And so we have, uh, we don't make any of the farm decisions like when to sell a crop, what to grow, how to manage it, et cetera. But as we have built trust and value with our farm partners, they've increasingly come to us with questions and we find experts on those questions and make decisions with that expertise. That is also true in terms of our partners. So I now have existing partners talk to new potential partners before they partner with us to make sure that everybody's gonna really benefit from this partnership and really like it. We share expertise, not just across our farmers, but if other farms call and say, like, look, I doing a cleanup project, I don't actually need to work with you, but but I'd like some advice, we will put them in touch with our guys who do it. Like, I'm very willing to help other people and people have been very willing to help us. So ask for as much advice as you can and you can help the next guy do that too.
2: That's great advice. Joelle, um, in terms of, um, young women that may be watching this podcast, you know, you're an aspiring young woman. And I just wondered if you had some advice, uh, you know, for us. Um, just go for it.
1: Mm-hmm. And if it gets really hard, just pretend you were a guy and go to maybe a guy and see, like tell them a couple things you've done and see what they would say. But I tried, uh, I tried dude week once where instead of listening to the things that I was saying, which was, you know, we're growing really slowly. I'm not sure if this is working. I don't know exactly how to tell this. I just thought of exactly the same sentence that um, my brother would say in that place, which would have been like, wow, this growth is amazing. And we're going to take over this thing next. And we can do this thing after. And like it, 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 I think, I don't know that that's exactly a gender thing, but I do think um, uh, I, the positive to, from what I can tell, to being a woman in business is that, I'm um, usually a little bit more willing to look at things and say there's mistakes and learn from them pretty quickly. <laughs> the negative is maybe a little bit more willing to look at things and think they're mistakes and try to learn from them instead of just plowing through. So to the extent that you can just keep going, just keep going.
2: Yeah. That's really good advice. Thank you for sharing that.
0: Um, Any, uh, any final thoughts or things you'd like to share with our audience, uh, Joelle, before we sign off?
1: Um, If in our case, if you're a farmer and looking to grow and you think we can be helpful to you, certainly be in touch. Um, And we hope over time to continue to be able to help Canadian agriculture and in particular, Uh, producers uh, across across the country. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, and so they can connect you uh, on your your website uh, URL. They can connect directly
1: on the website. We also have phone numbers there for myself and for Tracy um, in the office. Uh, And so you can connect in any way. We end up very quickly just having a call to go through kind of what the basics are of the existing operation and the future plan, um, and then to figure out if there's a fit. The way I look at it, uh, and probably on the FCC side, it it may be something the same way you do. I would say there's there's no partner better than having no partner. So if you're all good to do it on your own and you're comfortable with that, the level of debt and what you're doing, go for it. Mm -hmm. As soon as you're past that, we are the best partner you can have because we understand farmers, we take risk in operation, and we have
2: a lot of
0: expertise that we can share. Well, congrats on your success. Any any final thoughts, Guy?
2: No, I think it's great. You know, just, just a, a, a neat market you're into and um, how you're helping producers in the egg industry is really inspiring. So thank you so much for all that you do for the industry. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Joelle, and thanks everyone for, uh, watching this episode of Ready, Set, Grow podcast, sponsored by Ag Expert. Uh, You can check out the other videos on uh, rhaccelerator.com or on YouTube. So until we meet again, take care.